When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. Before we introduce our returning guests, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our presenting chess education sponsor, Chessable.com. Chessable, of course, utilizes space repetition to help you learn opening patterns and tactics. It quizzes you repeatedly. I beefed up my Chessable favorites page. So if you don't know where to start with Chessable or you need a new recommendation, if you now go to the Perpetual Chess Favorites page, I describe each of my favorite courses, uh, even give rating guidelines. Maybe our guest course is going to make the list. We'll see. Um, I also wanted to give a quick plug to my weekly newsletter, the Perpetual Chess Link Fest, basically free weekly email with all the best blogs I've read sharing like chess improvement advice and top news and all that stuff. You can Google Perpetual Chess Link Fest or check the notes uh, for a link. But let's bring you to our guest without further ado. He is a return guest, of course, a chess YouTuber, commentator, Twitch streamer, chess streamer of the year award winner this year, a retired OTB player, a soon-to-be author, soon-to-be chessable author of the Gotham Chess 1 E4 repertoire. He has 835,000 Twitch followers as of March 24th, 2023, 1.2 million TikTok followers, um, got 1 million in like three months, and 3.4 million YouTube subs. I've been wondering at what number of YouTube subs would he stop agreeing to come on my little chess podcast? But it turns out the answer is not 3.4 million. Without further ado, let's welcome Gotham Chess. I am Levy Rosman. Back to the pod. Welcome, Levy. Uh, thanks for having me, Ben. I, uh, my goal is every time I come, it's it's going to be you have to have a longer and longer intro. Uh, <laughs> you can take out uh, retired over the board player. I, that's one of my uh, least successful accomplishments uh no it's it's great to be here i was excited when you messaged me i gotta be honest i get a lot of i get a lot of emails to give 30 minute segments to random newspapers around the world uh and at, at a certain po certain point i just i stopped doing them because it's it's the same questions over and over and then i have to worry about being uh taken the wrong way and maybe there's a humor barrier or some sort of language barrier you know uh and this one's always exciting to me so yeah 
Well, thank you, Levy. That means a lot. And obviously, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, one thing I'll say from my perspective that I appreciate is now that this is our third time doing this, our first being in 2020, when you were just starting to find an audience, um, fewer than 25,000 YouTube subs, um, then a little more than a year later, when you had air quotes exploded, you were over 1 million YouTube uh, subs at that point. So we were able sort of to trace what seemed like a crazy year at the time. And now here we are less than two years later, and the exponential growth has continued. So I kind of personally think of these as sort of, it's a way to trace the evolution of your growth. And, you know, I thought it was crazy last time, but it's crazier this time. So um, again, you've, you've gained you're getting like 30,000, 40,000 subs a day, as far as I can see. And I know you recently made a YouTube video celebrating 1 billion total views. And in that you said, these aren't just numbers, these are people. So I'm curious, Levy, like how much do you, how much time do you spend trying to know sort of the stories and the demographics of this ever-growing list of viewers? Well, there's... A couple of things. First of all, uh, I am definitely not gaining 30, 40K subs a day. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, uh, I had two of those days. Those were big days. Okay. Um, but it's, um, it, it was consistently about 10 to 15 for about three straight months. And you can compare that to, for most of 2022, cheating scandal early days aside, I was gaining about 800 subscribers every day. So... Yesterday, which is March 23rd, I had my lowest subscriber growth in about 90 days, and that was 7,400 subs. Okay, so, so you're checking it every day. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have to, uh, for, for various reasons. Um, number one, YouTube analytics are kind of an indicator of just big picture stuff of what's going on in the world. It's the second largest search engine beyond, be, behind Google. And conveniently, Google bought it like 15 years ago. So actually 20 years ago or so at this point, 17 years ago. And that's uh, indicative of, of the trend. And I, I I had a really bad week of short form content because I was so focused on a couple of other things. I, I wasn't uh, writing scripts for TikToks or Instagram and just being very lazy and recycling content. Uh, and uh, views are down. And that's kind of reflective. And I, and I also, also check in on all the other channels, Hikaru, Botez, uh, Agad Matar, uh, you, I mean, you go down the list of other, uh, other big chess channels. If I didn't name one of your favorites, dear viewer, listener, I'm tremendously sorry. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'm always keeping up with what's going on and what I have to do better. Uh, but again, the, 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 we, we, we raised the floor. So we didn't raise the ceiling, uh, permanently, but we raised the floor, and now, you know, whereas my videos used to die at like 300,000 permanently, 350, they're dying at about a million. And dying means they're gaining about 500 views an hour. And those, my videos used to die at about 80 views an hour, 50 views an hour, like, you know, becoming kind of frozen and sort of just left to be every now and then recommended. So, I mean, I could have a whole two hour conversation about analytics, but, um, the viewer stories, they're a lot of fun. I mean, my I, I get some of the highest engagement in the comment section of my videos. People are talking about me staring at the camera in the first few seconds. They're <laughs> talking about what's in the video. They're talking about uh, 10 of the jokes that I made in the video. And I, I love to interact. I mean, it's there's a, a big, wide-ranging target audience for the people that watch my content. And it uh, it excites me. You know what I mean? Um, 
And it's true. Like anytime I do one of those celebrations of a billion or, you know, 3 million subs or that's a number, but that's like all people. And I, I never had a bigger chance to see a live kind of reflection of what that means. Uh, the two times that I had that was at chess boxing when it was a, a packed arena of thousands of people, not cheering for me, but just cheering for the spectacle of the chess boxing. Um, and then also when I went to YouTube headquarters to have like 300 employees show up with their kids on their own to just watch some chess and get a picture with me, talk to me. That was crazy. And that's 300. I mean, 3 million is the size of some countries. Like yeah. it's, it's mind blowing a billion, like what the hell even is that number? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I love this stuff. And um, from the viewer journey to the analytics, uh, it's all great. Amazing. I mean, already there's so much I want to ask you about, Levy. So one thing is, in our last interview, you uh, you said you I don't know if admitted is the right word, but you you want to be the biggest chess YouTuber. You said at the time, and you were. You had sort of recently taken that mantle at the time. Hikaru and uh, Aganmater were both sort of in the same ballpark. Um, obviously, Aganmater and Hikaru put out great content. They're huge successes, but you're significantly a ahead of them at that point. So. I'm curious, like, why you still push so hard? Is your goal to promote chess? Is it just like a video game where you want to get the highest score? Like, uh, what animates your your focus on growth as opposed to sort of um, just general doing your thing and let the chips fall where they may? Uh, I think first and foremost, if if anybody says their primary goal is grow the game, they're just bullshitting. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's like, look, it's, it's, it's the truth. And I, I've been very honest about this. Like, if I didn't get paid for this job, I would not be doing it. I mean, hello, <laughs> like, right. right. Like that's, uh, it's, it, it's anything. I'm, yes. You can dedicate some time to free endeavors. Not everything has to be compensated, uh, but uh, I work 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Like I would have another job if I wasn't getting paid for this. Uh, but I've, I've been working in chess since before I was doing online content. And it's what I decided even in college, it was going to be teaching kids. And New York City was probably, I mean, it's the greatest market to be a chess teacher. Uh, people who are 1400, as long as you're good at managing classrooms, can get paid 100 $200 an hour for an after school class. Uh, and if you find out what the chess program itself is making, you might, you might uh, get nauseous. So, but this is specific to New York. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily apply everywhere. Uh, what pushes me is, um, I mean, this is this is my job. It's it's a career that that I absolutely do not take for granted. Uh, we, you know, my wife and I, we have a lot of friends who are our age and they're grinding in the corporate world, and that very well could have been me. It could have not been me. I could have just been a chess teacher. And uh, I, I. I love my job for several reasons. First of all, naturally, it has to do with chess, which is, I wouldn't even say chess is the thing that I'm best at, but talking about chess, like being a presenter, being an, a new, an, anch an anchor, being uh, able to, to freestyle, talk on camera with no script, like that's what I've realized is my skill. And I'm a strong enough player that to 99.999999% of the world, I'm able to break things down in a way that uh, is applicable to them and is funny to them and is useful to them and, and is something that they want to watch for 30 minutes a day. Uh, and I'm also constantly in fear that this is all going to go away in the span of, you know, overnight. Like, 
to have January 2023 happen was was incredible. But I, I I'm still an insecure little chess teacher that uh, that is fully aware that just a couple of years ago nobody was playing this game, and probably for good reason. Like, so there's a couple there's a couple of things driving me. Uh, I do want to be the biggest. I do want to be the most successful. Like naturally, that's all there. Just like anybody wants to make uh, the next step in their career. Uh, but I love. I love conceptualizing and creating ideas and and working on them and scale and growth and not just in chess. Like I would love to, I would love to run multifaceted projects later in life, whether it's uh, in in construction or you know construction is like the epitome. You you have a blank canvas and you can you know, build out a house or or something like that. But other things interest me. Just for now, uh, it's chess and. I think I have a very good mind for for project building, like to manage 10 components of something. And uh, I don't have the technical skills necessarily, but that's the type of stuff that I really love. That's um, that's the stuff that I, I can work on all the time, whether it's midnight, 2 a.m., 8 in the morning. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's what motivates me. Yeah, well, Levy, I've got plans for you later in life to be a uh, running the U.S. chess tournament scene. You're going to take that over, and I also want you to run the world championship. So I'm I'm looking forward to you putting those management skills to use. Listen, I I got to tell you, I mean, it it's it's a bit of a joke, but at the same time, I, I have also had some thought of uh, of being in charge of some things. I kind of sort of have a have a have a dream that i'd like to make a reality to open up a gotham chess club here in new york make it like beautiful you know maybe an open bar for the parents uh oh, beautiful <laughs> uh social club you know like a lunch social club for for the corporate scene i've got like some really big ideas i mean the marshall's great it's historic but it it ain't posh right and uh it, you know, I, I I would love if if the Gotham Chess Club could could be that. That's like another one of the you know kind of pipe dreams that that might happen that will take some years. So, yeah, maybe that's maybe. awesome. Uh, I'll, so you're saying there's a chance. Um, so that's exciting to hear. Now, and Levy, hearing you discuss uh, this possibility of a Gotham Chess Club in New York, I got to ask. Or I mean, we talked about this last time. You were uh scouting out various potential moves does it sound like you're staying in new york for the foreseeable future oh maybe <laughs> uh it depends if the irs is listening or not uh no listen uh it, it's it's tough being self-employed because the truth is that effective tax rate is 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 monstrous depending on where you live and and as a creator you you don't have any roots or anchors you don't have to be somewhere um, if I had to be anywhere, it might be Los Angeles, especially that now uh, I'm having more collabs there. I've, I've been there multiple times in the last couple of months, streamer awards, chess boxing. And yeah, there's there's a buzz in LA around the around anything that has to do with talking in a camera and studio space. And um, LA's just like New York. I mean, it's a, it's a tale of uh, two cities, depending on where you are. It's beautiful in some places. It's absolutely horrible in others. The bridges never look better to jump off of. I don't know if I can make a joke <laughs> like that on your podcast, but... Uh, no, I mean, like my experience there the first time was incredible, then horrible. Uh, and then then the last time was great. Um, but you got to pay more than half of your income in taxes away. <laughs> it's it's awful, you know. Uh, then you start looking at places like Florida. You might not agree with everything uh, they're doing there from a governmental standpoint and a societal standpoint. But I mean, good Lord, saving that 12 to 14% really never looked better, you know, and you you can open up uh, your your curtains every day and you see the ocean. 
So it's 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 weird being an American because you can choose this type of stuff uh, if you have the flexibility. Uh, but everything I know is in New York. Um, and I think my career would only really make sense to flourish either in New York or or California. So we'll see. Okay, glad glad to hear it. And bringing it back to who your viewers are, Levy, one thing I've heard anecdotally is that this recent influx, this huge boost in viewers uh, might be skewed towards the younger side. In fact, potentially like a lot of high school students. Um, I, you know, I've gotten, I've heard some stories from actual chess people, but also just like anecdotally, I have a couple friends who are high school teachers. Uh, my one high school friend, Eric, who's like a 1800 said, said to tell you, thank you, because he said my gamer son didn't like chess because he couldn't beat his dad. And now Levy has him hooked. Um, are you hearing a lot of stories about like high school kids in particular suddenly hooking onto your content? Yeah, absolutely. That I think the most recent boom here in in, in early 2023 is is the young audience for sure. Um, it's uh, it's it's the ones in high school, maybe even junior high, and it's the fact that you can. It's quick, especially the the short form stuff. You can study something a little bit and bust it out on your friend in the next uh, school period. You know, you got chess.com because it, it chess.com might be the only thing not banned uh, in school. It gets around some of the computer games that kids might be playing. I remember those days. I, I don't remember if I was going on a chess website ever. I don't think I was because chess wasn't cool. Like it made no sense for me to play chess. <laughs> I was afraid I was going to get made fun of. Like, you know, the 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 self-respect and self-esteem you have as an, as an adult, if you had that when you were 12 and you, you, you didn't care, you'd boot up a chess game absolutely at lunch because that's fun. But no, back in the day, I would hide that stuff. I would go home and I would, I would play, uh, play online or something. But uh, I do think the most recent boom is a young audience, but everyone's getting into it. I, I get I get everything, 60 years old, 70 years old, five years old, uh, and they're all watching. And, and I, I, I love that. I, I don't have the level of fame as some of these mega, mega ultra viral Minecraft guys on YouTube or uh, Mr. Beast, but chess is completely ageless. And it's just a totally different type of approach to everything, to all the external products you can sell, like courses or uh, books, something I'm working on, right? Um, and that's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. But it's a long-form answer. The short-form answer is absolutely. The, the, the young audiences, high school audiences, I think uh, the major demographic of this most recent boom. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of the the analytics, obviously you, you take your crap seriously, as you mentioned, whether it be YouTube or now the shorts and TikTok. So when you sit down to sort of make an imprint in those, and as we said, you gain like a million followers in like three months um, on TikTok. Are you thinking to yourself, I need to appeal to young people, you being 27, obviously pretty young yourself, or are you thinking... I need to do what works on TikTok. Like, are you targeting demographics or just trying to see, again, trying to see what works? No, no, I maybe subconsciously, but no, I, I all I try to do, I don't try to target demographics. I try to, uh, I try to get into the head of the audience. So I, I don't know, like I said, maybe, maybe that's basically what I'm doing, but I, I like to think of it as chess is really boring. Okay. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's really boring. And it's not boring when you're in the first 12 to 1400 rating points. Like there's so much you can learn that works for months, if not years at a time. And if you're, I know what it feels like, like I'm 27. 
but I might still have the same social media habits as somebody five to 10 years younger than me, which just means I like to scroll on, on, on TikTok or on reels for 30 minutes when I'm, I'm just laying around being lazy. And if something's boring, I'm not going to watch it. You know, if something doesn't have a lot of likes already, meaning it's kind of like established as fun and good, good content and worth watching as I'm scrolling, I might not give it a, a shot. And I just kind of thought, well, how, how can I package chess in 30 to 60 second bites, sound bites? And I was never confident that I would be able to do it. I also never thought it would be worth doing because it's not as monetizable as a 30 minute video. And I was wrong. It turns out that my ability to break down chess writing, for those I actually write scripts because it's a lot of like edits put together and then I have to think about the visuals and I have to think about the subtitles. So I do write a quick script for, for some of that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think about like, what age am I trying to? No, it's just, if I'm going to give you a 40 second piece of content, how do I ensure you watch 100% of it or 95% of it? Because that, that, that stat comes up for your short form content on YouTube. And I average around 103%, which is great. Like if somebody's going to watch your 40 second thing, a second time, it's going to get recommended more, which means it's going to get right. So it's going to get more views and, and everything. So and then they're and then the longer they stay on your content, the more they're going to start getting recommended your long form content. And that's why I have the amount of audience that I have because I, I love this stuff. I mean, I I love thinking about it like that. Uh, and uh, maybe it is a bit like a video game. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I even when you were describing it after you, uh, I was thinking it sounds like you still think of it as like a score, which I get. I mean, and and obviously as a, you know, as a chess creator, much deeper in the weeds, much more um, immersed in the boredom of chess. Uh, from for what I do, like I mean, I appreciate that you're bringing so many people into this game. I mean, obviously, no one, you know, a, a high school kid who gets hooked on your forty. Uh, 40 second clips, like listening to the back catalog of perpetual chess is like immensely downstream from that, but like someday it makes a difference, you know? So, um, I, myself and everyone else in the chess world, I think, uh, for the most part does, and definitely should appreciate what you're doing. Um, and when we talked last levy, you mentioned you were doing a decent amount of your video editing on your own. As you say, the editing's gotten a little tighter, uh, especially for the short form stuff. Are you still doing this stuff yourself? For the, for the short form or just the editing in general? Both. No. So for the short form, I, I definitely don't do my own editing. Um, uh, I've got a, I've got a guy, uh, he's, uh, he's from Mexico and he was telling me to do short form content back in March, 2022. And I started in November. So, uh, I, uh, I was eight months late and I, again, I just really never thought I would be good at it. It would be viewed. I didn't, I didn't think of any of these things. And he kind of was popping into my Twitch chat every now and then, uh, shout out to Andres. And he was like, Yo, you ever thought about doing TikTok? And I was like, yeah, man, for sure. I thought about it. <laughs> and that was where the conversation, you know, I I would focus on YouTube. I would focus on Twitch. I'd focus on whatever else. Uh, and now it's uh, it's it's just part of, it's been added to the daily grind, writing scripts, uh, recording, you know, 10 of them in a day. And then you, you can post one a day for 10 days. So it's it, it can be a lot faster. But uh and some of the other stuff, I, I I have an editor, the guy who runs my clips channel, guy from Brazil. Uh, and um, But for the most part, I 
it's all my own ideas. I brainstorm my thumbnails. They get made by another guy who's in uh, Netherlands. That guy, uh, that guy's great. Uh, global effort. And, um, and then I upload. Okay. Well, shout out to Andres. I mean, his, his uh, persistence itself, you know, helped change the trajectory of, uh, of chess. Um, yeah. So with these videos, Levy, um, how long does it take you to record one in each day? Like a TikTok? Or how much time are you putting in on those? Uh, well, it's much more effective to do five in a day so that you don't have to do them for five days. Uh, writing a script for a TikTok takes anywhere from five to 10 minutes. I have like a giant Google document with ideas and concepts I can cover. Uh, the whole process to make one probably takes, well, not the editing, the editing takes some time, but for me, uh, 15 to 30 minutes, I mean, I can write the script, I can record, I can record multiple takes because some weren't great. And then I send it off and then, uh, it gets made and, you know, we put it on, uh, we put it on YouTube shorts. We put, we, we go back and forth, uh, prior to uploading it. Then we, we have a final version and, um, some of the best ones get, 2 million on Instagram, 10 million on TikTok, and 10 million on, on YouTube. That's 22 million views. It's, it's an insane number. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not It's mind-blowing, yeah. And do you have a, a top-line um, interpretation of what works most effectively? Yeah, yeah. We, we've realized that a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of a lot of short form stuff benefits a lot from subtitles, like having you know words quickly appearing on a screen. Also, that 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 can really help. Um, people love it. It's a nice little visual element. Um, that's number one. Voiceover of uh, Magnus or Hikaru clips or games or kind of situations. People love Magnus and Hikaru, obviously, uh, but that might work for for other grandmasters as well. But naturally, the obsession with Magnus uh, extends to short form content also, but, uh, it's like super quick stuff and you know, Hey, uh, 30 second chess lesson, like ready, here we go. That's exactly how 10 of my clips go. And I show somebody an opening or I show somebody, uh, how to win King and pawn versus King. And like, you literally know the basics of how to win King and pawn versus King after a 40 second clip. It's crazy. Like, yeah. And you're, if you're like, wait a minute, I didn't fully get that. You're gonna to go to YouTube and you're gonna watch the 20 minute version of it if you're if you're interested. So uh, a lot of that stuff works. Um, for a little while, we were combining chess with uh, female creators, and there's like you know an entire audience of like uh, of, uh, of of female creators giving dating advice to men, right? So they would start their their TikTok. This is very funny, you know, like a you'd see like a like a woman appear and and then she'll say uh um here's a tip that'll make uh, girls think you're more attractive and in her version of it she tells you her tips but we cut it there and boom you're being taught the fried liver <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you know that one for me on instagram went mega viral i mean it was retweeted by some uh, it was uh shared on uh, instagram stories by christian pulisic like right. the best america yeah i mean that was crazy right uh, and uh that's the incredible thing about these algorithms. Even celebrities, athletes are just like scrolling through. And if they have any interest in chess, they get this funny clip and they're like, oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there you go. And that's been like single-handedly the, the one piece of feedback I've gotten in the last couple of months from streamers, creators, and some really famous people who are just like, I can't go on 
any shorts feed on any platform without seeing your face. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, but uh, that, that means whatever I'm doing is working. So, right. Interesting stuff. Well, like you, I could nerd out about this content stuff, uh, you know, endlessly, but we, we also want to respect our hardcore chess audience. And you mentioned yes. Magnus. Um, he obviously, uh, a lot has changed since our interview in 2021, episode 233 for anyone curious, by the way. Um, so, his company acquired by chess.com, obviously with whom uh, you have a partnership as well. So any like closer Magnus affiliation for you, obviously you've made jokes in the past about like, you know, how much he contributes to your success in terms of your, uh, you know, we can be real and call it uh, click farming or whatever. You're putting him in the titles. You know, you've got his picture frequently. You're looking for clips. Um, but have you had any one-on-one -on -one reaction or interactions with Magnus recently, Levy? Yeah, and and I and I will say uh, it's it's the same treatment. Uh, something like a like a undisputed right, Skip Bayless and uh, and Shannon Sharp or first take. You know, it, it, they're going to cover the Lakers. They're going to cover LeBron versus right. versus uh, Atlanta Hawks. No disrespect to Atlanta, but if Magnus does something, says something, or plays somewhere, I don't care if ten other people are playing in the event. That's uh, like we're going to get folks in using Magnus. And then I'm going to show you all the rest of their games. And the reason for that is if I make Magnus on the thumbnail and some, and I talk about his game in the thumbnail and the title, that video might end up with 850,000 views instead of 400. And that's my job. I love it or hate it. That's the job. I'm going to take the 800 over the 400 as long as I'm not lying to you, as long as I'm not selling you a crypto token, all right, and then rug pulling you, which <laughs> like it, once you start scaling as, as an influencer, there, there's some dangerous abilities that that, that are in your, your possession. And, and we see that all the time. Uh, shout out to CoffeeZilla, by the way, for uh, exposing a lot of this stuff. And uh, Magnus in particular, I have had, I never, I never messaged the guy. So like I... I never messaged him. I don't know why. Probably some social anxiety. Probably like I still have a tremendous amount of respect for him and Hikaru and a lot of these like really other top players because, yeah, I'm a YouTuber and I'm quote unquote famous or whatever, but I'm a chess fan. Like at yeah. the end of the day, I'm a chess fan and, and these guys still are intimidating to me. Like they're still the best in the world at this thing that I've also dedicated 20 years of my life to. I in no way, shape or form when I talk to them think, oh, I'm better than them. I'm more famous. Like I'm... I'm a more, I've had a more profound impact on chess. I have none of those thoughts. I'm like, I look up to these guys. And that's why, by the way, I get really sad, uh, truly, when they make fun of me. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm and it's, and it happens all the time. Like they diminish me because I'm an I am or I got clickbait or whatever. I'm, I'm making fun of low elo chess, uh, which is obviously a big inside joke in my community. I get super sad about that stuff, you know, because. I really respect these guys and it would be great to be friends. It would be uh, great to be friends with them or on good terms with them. And I, I think I'm on decent terms with them, but uh, a lot of them will make fun of my chessable course or, or whatever. I mean, it, and it's all veiled under, you know, some positive spin, you know, whatever it's like, but it makes me a bit sad. Um, Magnus specifically, uh, I finally decided like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to send him a DM. This happened. I, I don't even remember. I think it was before Tata Steel. So about three months ago, and he was actually, um, I wrote him a really long message because I, I figured uh, I, this is the best way to introduce myself. I, I don't know the guy, right? So I said, mm -hmm. hey, man, um, obviously, I'm a huge fan. Uh, let me know if you, you know, I see you're streaming more. Let me know if you want to do a collab at any point. Uh, and uh, thanks for everything you do for chess. And he wrote me back one line. 
and it was to the tune of too much sucking up. Let's just talk. <laughs> and I, I was like, he's it's like, you know what I mean? It, it's just, win. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, there's nothing I can do, but he, right. he seems like a, you know, he seems like a normal dude. And and I haven't bothered him since Tata steel. He was in Toronto with the, with the chess bras for a bit. Uh, I'm still kind of like mildly terrified of the guy. Uh, cause I, I just, you know, now he's in his training camp. Uh, but, uh, I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do some sort of collab. He's collab with other streamers and, um, yeah, we'll see. But it, it's tough because one day he's streaming and he's like, Levy, my boy. And the next day he's like, uh, making jokes about my courses. And I, I, I there's no way to get a read on the guy. You, you just, <laughs> that's, that's the scary thing about all top chess players. I have no idea what's actually going on in their heads. Yeah. Well, Magnus, I feel that way in particular, but I mean, basically it seems like he's not, I mean, Hans Niemann's story, notwithstanding, generally the vibe you get is he's not like a super judgmental, um, you know, grudge holding type. So uh, he's, you got to have thick skin to be, you know, to be as famous as him. Yeah, I think so. Makes um, a lot of sense. So, of course, discussing Magnus makes me think of the world championship levy. Uh, yesterday, again, we're recording this on uh, March 24th. It'll be out probably in about 10 days. Um you tweeted the world chess championship begins in two weeks just reminding you in case you've not heard anything about it so and of course this is there will have been a preview pod uh on perpetual chess but it is surprising and i'm just curious like how much of that do you think is due to the lack of magnus compared to to other factors yeah and then today i tweeted daily reminder that the world chess championship <laughs> begins on april 9th i'm just an unpaid marketing intern i missed uh, that one <laughs> yeah yeah i uh it's 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 really bad and and i've got thoughts on on the whole thing um first of all magnus stepping away is is a wild one uh i think there's a lot of things that the public doesn't know there's so many components to answer this question so i think i'll start like this 99% of the chess fans in the world right now were not chess fans 3 years ago can we agree on that you know sound... better than me, but I'd say above 90 for sure. <laughs> above 90, right? Uh, yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to say it's 99 because it's, it's millions. It's like potentially dozens, if not hundreds of millions of people who know what a Magnus Carlsen is. If you said uh, anal beads, they would like <laughs> right. they, 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 they would think of they would think of chess in some capacity. Right. Um, I don't know how uh, family friendly the pot is supposed to be, but uh, um. Yeah, like uh, that's that's number one, and I think they're getting into chess um, through content creators and from Twitch and live streaming and some of these events and short form content or whatever it might be. Their friend playing Queen's Gambit, they completely do not understand who organizes things like the World Chess Championship. They do not know FIDE. They do not know the history of FIDE. They do not know the political affiliation of FIDE. They don't know any of, of the stuff. So just to them. They sit around. They might not even know what a FIDE is. They think chess.com is like the biggest entity or whatever. Uh, and then they find out, okay, there's a world championship. There's Magnus. But like now he's stepping away. Why is he like really stepping away? You know, I I, I might have my theories. He said it's like, it's, it's just not worth the Herculean uh, emotional, physical draining. But what if the prize fund for the world championship was $50 million, like a prize fighting in boxing? Of course he would play, right? Like, I, I, I'm just going to say, like, of course you would play. Of course anybody would play. Like, uh, if top-level chess had had that degree of uh, of support, right? But it but it doesn't, and it, it hasn't. The World Chess Championship is like, a, is like a mad dash every couple of years to find a location, 
find a sponsor that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, find the, the the prize fund is the exact same, right? And it's like, uh, who's going to be the commentary team? And then it's, uh, what time zone is it going to be at? Like this, this year it's in Kazakhstan. I mean, I think we have to wake up 5 a.m. here to watch the games or something. Like I, it's, um, and then you just don't hear about it. Then somebody drops some promotional image on the FIDE page. You're looking at it like, I can't read their names. I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it, there's so many things that, can be marketed so much better. Chess.com has done an excellent job. That's why everybody in high school is playing on Chess.com and, and, and inter- interacting with Chess.com and finding their way to YouTube. It's because it's all out there. It's because we we know how the audience wants to approach the game, how like what they want to see, short-form content, long-form content. Um, and uh, yeah, look, like... Uh, in a vacuum saying that this is uh this is not real the the player who wins this match is not truly the best player in the world yeah of course is he the world champion though yep both things can be true <laughs> both things can be true I, I don't i don't know what to tell you right like uh, and i think we should just hype it up and build it up and i saw kasparov and i mean Kasparov is saying uh, it's, you know, I forgot his exact quote but paraphrasing like this is not really the world championship for me yeah just just hype up the event it's all we got yeah. <laughs> like you know it's all we got uh and of course it's it, it's 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 a misfortune of course it's 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 terrible that that magnus is not playing and we will never really truly know what the actual genuine you know behind the scenes is is in the chess world because it's a bubble the top level chess world is a, a bubble and, and it's on a different planet entirely than what every chess uh, spectator and fan knows, including myself. I know nothing about the behind the scenes of top level chess and FIDE. And I'd like to keep it that way because ignorance is bliss. Gotcha. And, but you are going to cover it on your channel. You'll do oh, game course. recaps. I'll do game recaps. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole thing. I, last time it was, uh, it was amazing. I was watching five streams at the same time. I was dissecting variations that Vichy was saying, Fabi was saying, Magnus every time he would join, and I would put it all into a big, big study. So when I, when the game was done, the last move was made, I would hit record right then and there because I didn't need to review anything. I knew everything. Uh, and I was the first to post 90% of the time. And uh, to this day, I mean, some of those videos are getting positive comments and views. So and you're uh, gearing, that was gearing up to do the same thing for this one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And who who's your pick? Tang or Nepo? I want to give a 55%, like a slight favorite uh, to Jan. What about you? That's that's what everyone I've asked has said. That's I mean, and Fabiano said it on C squared. Yeah, I mean, I might even go slightly higher, 60%, but what's mm-hmm. kind of what's the difference? But basically, um, yeah, I mean, it, there's just so many questions surrounding Ding, I feel like, uh, you know, and the, his chess skill is not the question, but everything else. Exactly. Um, and uh, I think it's obviously a, a, a tale of two kind of styles, like Nempo can be a bit more wild, a bit more uh, unpredictable maybe than Ding, but Ding is also learning a lot of different openings. And, and I love seeing kind of the expansion of the repertoires of these players in the months, uh, year leading up to the match. but. Yeah, I, I the best way I can describe it is Jan has already been there and his opponent was Magnus. Now Jan is there again and he's not playing Magnus. It just seems like it just seems like a bit of an advantage. He knows what it takes. He he knows what all the things he did wrong. And Ding doesn't. Ding is kind of the fresh one now. He's the nepo of of previous, and obviously his opponent is also not Magnus, where it, it could have been otherwise. 
Uh, so, but still, I think slight, slight nod to Nepo, but listen, maybe we'll see more decisive games, more back and forth, and we won't just kind of sit around waiting for, uh, when Magnus is finally going to win another title. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting in that respect. I'm definitely interested in the, uh, the stylistic matchup and the, the fact that it's such a close rating matchup. So, um, I'll talk myself into it for sure, but by the time, by the time the match, um, is on and I, I look forward to your your YouTube recaps. Now, Levy, another big change from our interview in 2021, as I mentioned in the intro, I was reviewing that interview and a lot of it was about your tournament chest, which was ongoing at the time, the ongoing saga of your um, um, brief but entertaining GM pursuit. How do you reflect on on that time where you were traveling, playing a lot of tournaments, trying to get the GM title and then just decided, all right, this is not, you know, not the best use of my time or whatever your reasons were, some of which you stated publicly. Yeah, there was, there was a couple of things. Uh, it was, um, I, 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 I think I still really enjoy and maybe even love the feeling of an upcoming tournament, uh, the unpredictability, like who are my opponents going to be? What kind of games am I going to get myself into? Uh, what what beautiful disaster can I create on a board or or or, or things of that nature? Uh, I I still love that feeling of of a tournament coming up, and I think a lot of chess players can relate to that uh, excitement, nervous energy, uh, kind of like a fight, you know. Uh, and I that part of me probably still exists. The problem is I have to be a realist and. I was not putting in anywhere near the amount of work. I was letting kind of like the thought of the tournament, the romanticizing of, of competitive play and, and the thought of, I know I'm a really good player. Like I, I, I really know that. And the problem is for me, the sweetness of victory is routine. I, I very rarely actually get that happy when I win and my lows when I lose are, are very low, like so, so, so low because I, I expect so much more of myself, but there's a disconnect. I am not putting in anywhere near the amount of effort and, and work that is necessary in the preparation and the study to get to that, that level that, that I, I think I am in my head. Like I, and I've been there, I've been 2430. Like I've been a, a, a flamethrower of a chess player where it was like the touch of death. Like I, I, I would get my prep on the board in the first 10 moves and it was over. Like I would just get to the position that I wanted. I was 24-30 on fire. But between having a massive adrenaline dump where I never even thought I would be an international master, like I got the IM, IM title and that was sort of like where I completely stopped working. I just sort of, uh, that was a massive drop off for me. Uh, and you can only imagine, right? Like that was my life goal. Can you imagine being the five-time world champion and, and the goat for like 10 years? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, you can only imagine. Um, but, uh, I, I had that disconnect between not working anywhere near the level I had to, and I was going up against young competition who was putting in the work, putting in the the time and, uh, not just on their openings on their instincts, on their, on their tactical awareness, positional awareness, defensive capabilities. And the focus, like the focus and the psychology of playing a four-hour game. And so I just had too many of those types of moments where I got my prep on the board and I was so confident and I just had such a great position. And then I would slowly let it slip and I would end up losing. 
And that, like, I just couldn't handle that. I, I, I just absolutely couldn't handle the same type of failure and the same type of setback so many times. Like, I had a couple of games like that. Uh, one of them was against uh, Ryo Chen, and it's so hilarious to talk about stories where you're losing to an 11-year-old that's barely looking at the board, that's like, you know, looking around the room 50% of the time that the game is going on. And th- like, I-, I spent months preparing that line. I finally got a chance to play it over the board. I was plus two on move 15, and I lost. And then... Now the prep is out there that I play this line. It's in the database. Everyone's going to know. What a waste of time. You know, what a waste of effort. 50 blitz games that I played preparing this line. Uh, Just what a disaster. Uh, And some people are better at handling that than others. And then this happened also in New York. Last round game. Guy has to beat me for a norm. I spend two hours in in a coffee shop learning an opening, Ben. I never played that opening in my life. In Blitz, anywhere, found the guy's anonymous account, prepare for him, learn a line, show up, minus one, move 15 with black, loose, just fall apart, just can't stay focused for the, the whole time, make an accuracy. I just, I can't do it anymore. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, uh, it's just not worth it. And it's it's terrible. Like, I'm physically exhausted. I'm like not eating well. I'm not sleeping well. <laughs> I don't want to, I like, I don't want to see any humans. I just want to sit in a, in an isolation chamber, you know, just with my own thoughts. It, it's not good for my mental health. Maybe at some point in the future when uh, I can dedicate the time and effort and I'm not actively thinking about all the things I'm missing out on doing, but Oh, it's tough. It's We're not going to put that part in the clip for your chess tournament tour um, about how torturous the whole thing is, but obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's relatable. I mean, I, I think, to a degree, everyone who's not a scholastic up and coming player feels that, I mean, you know, you might love it and you might persevere and you might decide, you know, on balance, I get more joy out of it than suffering. But this idea of there's just, there not being nearly enough time, I think is pretty universal for uh, those of us um, trying to compete um, in tournaments. I, I agree. And I think if, you know, uh, this is very much a do as I say, not as I do type of situation, but uh, you got to find a way to check your ego. Yeah, And um, I probably need a good dose of a sports psychologist, probably just a therapist overall. Uh, and, uh, and I got to put way more hours than I'm actually putting in. Uh, and um Probably my actual playing ability is about 24, 20, like 24, 30. And then to make that last push up to Grandmaster is stop throwing away games to good players, like get the half points off the Grandmasters, get a win here and there off the Grandmasters. When I sit down to play a Grandmaster, I I in no way, shape or form think I'm going to win. Like I never think I'm a better player. And um that applies to blitz too, but in blitz, you don't have time for these thoughts. So you you just play attacking chess and maybe something good happens. But I experience all the same thoughts I experienced in 90-minute games and title Tuesday games. I mean, I get totally winning positions against some of the best grandmasters in the world, and then I just lose them because I never thought I was going to win in the first place. And that's like a crazy thought to have in your head, but I, I think a lot of people have thoughts like this and any sort of kind of competitive event. 
Gotcha. All right. Well, we have a related question from a Patreon supporter of Perpetual Chess. Uh, those who support the pod can send in questions uh, for our guests. So obviously, we've got a few to work in for you, Levy. But this mm -hmm. one I found, I thought you might find interesting because um, you, you've got a bit of, um, you know, you took a break from tournament chess when you were younger. You're taking a break, possibly a permanent break remains to be seen now. But anyway, without further ado, I will read you the question from Ben Stotts. Thanks for supporting the pod, Ben. He asks, he says, as an entertaining creator and former teacher, he's curious on your thoughts on the best way to encourage improvement and stick with itness for scholastic players. Ben is a chess dad whose kid is a fairly strong player, 1500, and has only been playing a couple years, but he's starting to see him increasingly stressed by tournament play, and his kid prefers video games or YouTube to actually playing or studying chess. He said, it seems like a tight wire act between letting a kid be a kid but risking being too lax or being a psycho New York City chess parent, he says, who are out there as Levy, you have seen. Uh, so he asked, what have you had the most success with or seen as the best approach for parents of young players who like chess for their child, but don't want to turn them off or take the joy out of it? Man, this is a this is a tough question. And uh, I would preface it by saying I I in no way, shape or form will pretend to be the right uh, authority to give you parenting advice, right? Like uh, the, the only thing that makes me able to answer this question is is the chess component. I mean, it's... Well, you were a top scholastic player and you were a teacher, so don't sell yourself short. No, but it's it's a tough one. I mean, you you have kids, right? Like it, if you see things, stress them out, right? But it, it's it's the thing that they they they're the best at of all the things that they do and they've spent so much time and um, there's, there, there's a lot here, right? So first of all, I, I didn't have parents that involved in my chess and also my parents split when I was young. So, and chess is a very individualistic activity. So I almost didn't play any chess from 12 to 15 because I had hit my own plateau. Uh, it was not fun for me anymore. I wasn't getting better without putting in a huge amount of work. And that was the kind of kid I was. Uh, I'm, I'm an adult now and I, I do wish that maybe somebody sat me down, uh, between 12 and 15 and, 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 and made me work and, and got me a good coach that I would listen to that would have a good uh, impact on me, but uh butterfly effect, who knows, maybe in that timeline, uh, timeline, I'm, I'm in jail. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Um, I, I would love to sit here and say that that was, that, that was probably the right thing to do, but, uh, I, I also took a break and sometimes you need to have some form of mental uh, maturation that goes on uh, to, to succeed. I, I've known kids that were brilliant, could solve puzzles faster than everybody else, were, were great at beating uh, their older siblings and older kids in class and tournaments just made them panicked like I've never seen before and they, they forgot everything and uh, if you kept sending them to tournaments, they would completely stop playing chess. So I, I I knew a few uh, I knew a few kids like that. Uh, I so it 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 really depends, right? Uh, every situation is a kind of a case by case thing. I would just say you you have to extract what you actually find fun out of the activity. And kids are not able to make permanent decisions because they're they're they 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 haven't lived at all. They don't they don't know what it means to what it feels like to to. to drop things completely and then uh regret it years later they've only been around for 
years. <laughs> like they, they, they don't know. Uh, they don't know what that feels like. So trying to break them things down for them in a, in a way that like they will understand making references to things they actually will understand to, to, to things that are valuable and meaningful uh, to them. And if that's like learning a couple things here and there, just without the tournament competition uh, that could be one element of it. Uh, and then letting them play tournaments when, when they feel like they're ready or incentivizing them in a way that's like you, you know, you might know what's best for them and they're just super stubborn and, and young and, and, and they don't, they don't really know. Uh, so finding some sort of middle ground or incentive or positive reinforcement where it's like, you know, if they stick to this, it's going to, everything's going to be fine. Like everything's going to be fine and they're going to keep growing and they're just in their own head. That's, that, that's another way, but it's, it's a, it's a serious, it's a serious problem. And if it's just like laziness and a lack of work, that's one thing. If it's truly like a mental health thing, a stress thing, that, that that's an entire thing entirely. I'm not qualified to speak on, you know, what's necessary there, but I've seen it all. Yeah. Like I have seen it all. I've, I, I, and I, I have worked with some, really awful parents i like like to their kids and 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 to uh you know we're spending time and money on you and you're you're not succeeding in your tournaments like we're gonna pull you out it's i've seen it all all right i have seen it all teaching chess to kids and uh don't be that parent but at some point you you may need to put your foot down especially depending on on your kid and your situation like if it's not a stress thing and it's and it's it's not it's not really taking a toll on their mental health they're just struggling just like they will struggle in school with difficult subjects uh don't uh don't let them do what what i did to my own chess just stubbornly not playing for three years because man my parents don't know anything about the game and i make my own decisions uh they'll regret it in the future for sure so so you regret it yourself absolutely uh i i did not listen to any chess coach almost my entire life (laughs) <laughs> like I, I basically did not have a chess coach at all. It's hard, Ben. Like uh, when you have a your mom's house, your dad's house, your your grandma's house, the 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 neutral house, right? Like three houses as a kid is weird. There's no authority. There's no role model necessarily. Like uh, to this day, I mean, some people uh, ha- have a relationship with their parents that's extremely close. I am not particularly close with either of my parents. Like I am more close with my with my grandparents and. Um, reflecting on on my childhood and my teenage years, I would have really benefited from from something like that, um, because I was just a, a, a I was like a young, confused little idiot, you know, and and I was not put in a situation. I, I had roof over my head, but I was not put in a situation emotionally uh, to to succeed or make the right decisions. And um, yeah, I mean, I I firmly believe that if I sucked to chess and had a really really good coach that got through to me at, at that age. Who knows where my chest could have been, but the timeline that I'm in now, I, I am happy with, but maybe, I don't know, maybe in that timeline, uh, I am a grandmaster. Yeah. I mean, but that's always the question. You certainly hear people take the the approach when they look back on mistakes on their life where they're like, all right, well, I'm happy with how I turned out. You know, I'm happy with my station in life, so I wouldn't change anything. But it sounds like in your case, you, you want it both ways. You want to, I mean, obviously you're one of the most successful in the chess world, one of the most successful people of all time. I mean, obviously there's people like Peter Thiel or someone who become, you know, he's a chess master and he becomes a billionaire through PayPal and Facebook. But in terms of like 
actual getting successful from chess, you you might be, you know, you, Magnus and Hikaru, probably the most successful people of all time. But you still wish you'd put a little more time in in those critical years over the board? Well, it's it's not. No, I wouldn't say it's like uh, I actively want both. But if you're asking me, you know, gotcha. do you regret do you regret that that time in your life? I'll say, uh, yeah. But uh, I also said, but but also no. Just like anything, right? <laughs> it's not, it's not it's not all black and white. No pun intended. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, okay. I think I am happier with with this timeline. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad one. It doesn't seem. All right, and we have one more tournament related question, Levy. Uh, this one is from friend of the pod, David Lazarus. Uh, thanks again for supporting the pod. And he says, Congrats on your overwhelming success. You have a great ability of excellent screen presence and teach people a lot of things. And his question is with your success and exposure, he asks if there are opening innovations that you can keep a secret for tournament games. But being that tournaments are uh, kind of on the back burner at minimum, if do you still have like opening novelties that you're that you're sitting on for whether it be for tournaments or for title Tuesday or whatever it might be? The problem is uh, everybody knows everything now. So all of these chessable courses made by super GMs are uh, being dissected and worked on for hundreds of hundreds of hours every week, month by young players. And it, it's it's really hard. Like they are really, really, really booked up. And to take them out of their prep, you have to play something that's suboptimal. I mean, you're not going to detonate some crazy idea on them. You're just going to have to play something that's equal or slightly worse, but tricky. Um, and uh, no, I, I, I by no by no means have um, any crazy novelties, but I I do enjoy learning new openings all the time. Like I've been working on this chessable repertoire, and I've learned so much even building this repertoire. Uh, and I've started playing it in my online games. I'm just beating like 80% of my opponents in some of these lines. And it's a lot of fun. Like I try to play things that fit my playing style. And um, I, 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 I love learning different openings and different ideas. But uh, I, I try to, it's like an addiction. Like every time I get a really good repertoire idea with white and black, I'm like, I'm going to come back to over the board chess. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, stupid, stop it. <laughs> like... If if I go below twenty three hundred feet, I might literally disappear. So uh, that I always have to stop myself. Makes sense. Um, and I checked out. I got a sneak peek at your chessable course, but not the not the whole thing. It will be imminent by the time this interview comes out. I saw one of your lines against the Sicilian, where you go to knight c three and take with the queen and then retreat. It looked pretty spicy. Um, can you review reveal like what other lines you cooked up in this course, Levy? Yeah, I could tell you the whole thing. I could tell you the course. What, what are they going to do, Ben? What are they going to do? They're going to not publish the course? Uh, I think they're going to publish it. I think they're going to publish it too. No, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's knight c3, queen d4 against everything, uh, e6 even. And there's, oh, wow. there, yeah, there's, um, which obviously isn't like, uh, you can play open Sicilian if you want uh, against e6. You, you, it's the thing about opening repertoires, you can take 80%. You, it, you don't have to follow it like a religious cult. Like you can say, you know what is recommendation against e6? I don't like it. I, I, I'm not good at those positions. So against that move order, I'll play from this course. Uh, and that's how you fill out a repertoire. But um, Carl Kahn uh, is the fantasy variation. It's uh, it's murder against anybody below 2,400. Like the fantasy is so good 
It is so good. I, I have played it about 10 times online and I'm 10 and 0. I haven't drawn a game. Like it's it's so good, Ben. <laughs> it's huh. it's unbelievable. I don't know if you're an E4D4 player, but uh, you strike me as an E4 player. Are you yeah, an E4 I, player? I cut my teeth as an E4 player. Now, uh, now I play old man chess. You play D4 now? <laughs> knight F3, worse. Oh, knight, well, knight F3 is very sophisticated. It is yeah. the best first move. Well, I'm a um, refined guy. What can I say? Uh, I don't know if you go ready or English, but, you know, knight, yeah, like E4 is, this might convince you to play E4. It's fantasy. It's uh, advanced French. A lot of really aggressive kind of gambit style lines, Milner Barry, and a modern one where... Um, uh, you you gambit in the center, but in a slightly different way. Uh, Pierre's modern. You you beat it up in the typical ways, Scandinavian typical ways. Uh, four pawns attack against the Aliokin's defense, like super aggressive. Uh, really really nice lines that I think are interesting to play. That will take people out of their comfort zone, uh, and that many times if you check out like the Leeches amateur database. After eight to ten moves, white is winning seventy percent of the time. I mean, wow. it's like a it's a super uh, it's a super practical repertoire, but it's thorough. It's really high quality. I'm super I'm super happy with how it came out. It's it's on par with some of their lifetime repertoires. Like there's a case to release it in two parts, which I did not anticipate going in. Uh, and e4 e5 kind of like a beginner approach, Ponziani style, beginner intermediate approach, but also. Uh, just full on Italian, two knights, bishop c5, taking the center, c3, d4. It's um, it's a it's a really nice course. Like I've gotten some of these uh, prep bombs on the board, 15, 20 moves in in blitz games, and it's it's just game over for some of my opponents. And um, this is really one of the courses that got me like, man, I gotta play over the board chess again, huh. and I gotta stop myself. And it sounds like it's it's geared towards a wide audience. Like, because obviously you have a much bigger zero to 1000 audience than like uh, anyone else. And uh, a lot of people listening to this podcast, uh, at least general perpetual chess listeners are, are many of them are over a thousand, but it's not just for beginners. Oh, it's, course. it's, I, I, uh, I would actually feel like a scammer if I marketed it to beginners. Um, I, and I try to even be on it. Like, I, I understand you're supposed to put out the course and say, this is for everybody up to 2200. It's not it like, it's this course. If you're an intermediate player, like this course is probably around 1200 to 2200. Uh, I've included some lines in here that have been played by top grandmasters, uh, mid-tier grandmasters, like who are rising to 26 and 2700. And there are some really, really unique ideas there of like 18 moves of theory. I mean, that's applicable up to 23, 2400 FIDE rating. Uh, and um, the the lower tier folks will struggle, be, not because they're not smart enough, but because their opponents won't play into- Yeah, that's a common thing. Yeah. So, sorry to cut you off. No, no, that, that, that's, that's sort of the point. That's like the Ponziani chapter, maybe, uh, but- right. uh, you're not going to get to play your 10 to 15 moves of cutting edge Sicilian anti-Sicilian theory because your 1200 opponents going to play H6 G5 like right. or A6 H6. You know what I mean? Um, and that's the struggle. That's the struggle because and, and like my approach to courses is completely different from Chessable's approaches to courses, and we just do things differently, and we have a different target audience. Uh, I don't record 40 minute videos on my on my courses. Uh, they're they're 15, 10, 15 minutes tops. And it's not massive theory bombs because 
none of that is going to be applicable. Your opponent's going to be losing in six moves sometimes. And, you know, uh, that's not in the course. And you got to, like, find that on the fly. Um, so it's it was a different thing. I mean, I was sitting here recording every chapter 40 minutes at a time, covering every single potential variation that could occur. And it was uh, it, it was a it was a lot. It was a lot of work. Well, well, I'm glad you got it done. And we did have one more Patreon mailbag question, and it's related. So if you feel like you already answered it, uh, we can move on. But uh, Roy Lopes said, first of all, he wanted to thank you that you got him back into chess recently. And he was curious what the key differentiator is of your course. So again, if you feel like that's been covered, we can move on. But and is there anything else you would highlight as uh, different from your typical chessable course? Um... I mean, it's, I, how, how would I describe it? I, okay. First of all, it's, it's me. I'd like to think that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm maybe a bit more engaging 30 minutes into a 40 minute video. You know, I'm still maybe cracking jokes, even when mm. running on fumes. Uh, I think I, I, I did it in a very practical way. I have, I, I have some chessable courses. Okay. And, uh, I don't love the move trainer drilling as much as I love the video. I will happily pay for the video and I will watch the video and then I will frequently kind of analyze on a board as I'm going through, through the video. I'll rewatch the video. But I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really good and I can learn even if it's boring because the moves themselves, the ideas themselves are fascinating to me and, uh, and 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 I can deep dive and go to chess base and stockfish and and look at the games myself. And I that's the way I would study chess back in the day. And it was applicable because I would be seeing a lot of that on the board too at my level. If you're 1900, it's not the same. The moves might fascinate you, and you might still be capable of doing the work on chess base and on stockfish. But the chance of you getting some of that deep prep is not always there. And I try to do it in a way in my course where. I literally would pause in some variations and say, I'm not covering more in the video, okay? You want to go to the move trainer and you want to like drill this, do it. But you just need to understand the branches and the possibilities that can happen before you even get here. Like fundamentally, what is the point of this position? Why are we here? What could have happened before we got here, okay? What is Black's decision-making process? White's decision-making process to even get to move 12, where we are right now kind of on our main line, there's so many things that could have happened even prior to this. And I think the, the point of the course is like to get people to comfortable positions and be able to teach that line of that course to their five-year-old uh, niece or nephew. Like to just break it down in, in a way that, yes, it's a lot of theory, but this is the point. We're doing it like this so we can go here this is our plan. This is how we attack. This is our target. This is our positional idea. Uh, and I think I've done a good job of that. I think like the course is very human. It's very practical. It's a higher level than generally my target audience. It's probably like 16, 1700 is where you're going to start hitting that tipping point of like 60% of this course I can use on a day-to-day -day basis in my game, 70% of this course. Um, but that's not to say that early intermediate players won't, won't benefit from it too. Uh, but I, I think that's kind of the selling point. Like it's, it's less a very high level PhD college capstone style, super GM taught repertoire and much more like this is probably what you'll see at your weekend five round tournament. 
uh, and I've broken it down for you. And this is how you're going to beat people uh, in 15 to 20 moves. And, and if they know everything, well, here's how you're going to play the rest of the game. Good stuff. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about switching back to E4 some, um, but so I'll, I'll check it out and report back, Levy. But um, this has been awesome. If you're up for it, Levy, just I want to hit a few more topics, uh, general life stuff, if you're all right with it. Sure. Awesome. All right. Let's hear the story of the YouTube visit. So how did that come about? And uh, I know you mentioned it earlier, but we want more sort of behind the scenes uh, details. Yeah, it came about because uh, I got invited to the Streamer Awards and I, I am I am hardly a streamer. I'm hardly involved in LA creator culture. I'm 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 honestly Ben, and I don't know you. You we've talked for like three straight years now. I I would say uh, maybe I talk a little bit more assertively than I did two episodes ago, but I'm still very much the same person. Like I maybe you disagree, and uh, but I, I I'm the same guy. Like truly, <laughs> if I spend an hour in Manhattan, maybe I have to take a couple selfies with people, but I still like to be here. Uh, I still like to hang out uh, with Lucy and the dog and kind of be low key. And um, I, I, I'm I'm beyond all the kind of uh, content creation. I I'm, I think I've turned a bit extroverted over the last few years, uh, introverted over the last few years. And uh, going to LA and, and all this big uh, show and creator stuff, it's a little bit still intimidating to me. Uh, the social anxiety is definitely there. But uh, I decided that if we went, it would need to be a productive streak, uh, streak, uh, trip. I said streak because, uh, my, the manager of the Gotham Knights just sent me a message showing that we are on a big streak in the arena tournament that's going ah, on okay. today. <laughs> so he, I saw the word streak and I, um, apologies, brain fused together there. It has to be a productive trip to fly to LA because it's a seven hour flight. So on the plane, I was editing my book manuscript by hand. And when we got there, uh, we, got to visit YouTube HQ. And the way we got to visit YouTube HQ was um, I've, I've, I've elevated a little bit in my creator status now where I, I talked to some YouTube uh, partner managers, you know, who help uh, Michelle. She's incredible. She's my partner manager. And uh, we, we do a lot of um, uh, kind of conversing about different, uh, different things, YouTube related, like, uh, any issues we have or any big ideas we have. It's kind of like a nice network for creators to kind of interact with each other. Uh, Cause YouTube is massive. Like it's, it's very difficult to talk to anybody. And that's one of the benefits of, of chess being ageless is that so many folks at YouTube and at Google play chess and are interested in chess, but also their kids. Yeah. And we kind of decided, all right, I would go around. I would um, talk to some execs and record some stuff. And one of the videos I put out with Leo was, was, uh, was, uh, was great. He's the global head of gaming uh, that video was a lot of fun, but also uh, a little event. And I wanted to originally play three blindfold games at the same time, but I couldn't do that because 200 people showed up. Like it was so loud. The buzz was crazy. And I, I didn't expect that. And I didn't expect that. And uh, that stuff is uh, is incredible to see. It's, uh, it's, it's humbling. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm the same dude, man. Like this is still, uh, this is still so, so mind blowing to me, uh, so many years later and, and hopefully years into the future. So, uh, we got to see YouTube. We got on a plane at 9am in JFK. We landed in San Francisco 
We took an Uber to YouTube. We spent three hours at YouTube. We took an Uber to San Francisco airport and we flew to Los Angeles. That was our day. So exhausting stuff. We got to the hotel at like one in the morning. Uh, but uh, what a what a life. I mean, what a, what a career. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And it, it was a lot sweeter and easier because I was there with Lucy. So nice. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would have really hated going by myself. Yeah. Um, and last time we chatted, Levy, hearing you discuss like people taking selfies in Manhattan, you you said you'd been recognized something like eight times while you were in living, you know, going about your life in New York. I'm guessing that number, I mean, it must be like basically every time you you go somewhere now. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's 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 kind of nuts. Uh some days I'm I'm lucky. I, you know, I got my hat on, I got uh, I don't know. I kind of keep my head down a little bit, but, um, I mean, there's days it's, uh, it's, uh, it's like, you know, two in a day, three in a day, depending on where we are. I was at Bloomingdale's. One of the guys mm -hmm. like working on the floor, you know, saw, saw me getting my, my, uh, blazer. Uh, he, you know, he recognized me and then we chatted and, uh, it's, it's mind blowing. I mean, it's the only time it's weird is if it's an Uber driver and once it was an Uber driver. And luckily I put our address for drop off like a block from our house. Nice. And I have fake names on a lot of apps. Uh, that's the stuff I got to worry about now, but, yeah. um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's wild. I mean, I, I enjoy it and it's, uh, it, it, I don't feel any different, you know, like it's kind of exciting every time it happens. Uh, but, um, you know, we chat with the person, take a picture, and I'm like, hard work is paying off, and we keep moving. And how is life as a dog dad? It's gotten a lot better. Uh, it's gotten yeah, a lot better. Brenji I'm sure you have... Stress... Brenji was a puppy our first interview. <laughs> he was stressing you out. Oh, that, that's, mean, that's what it was? The second, second interview, interview. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Ben, that, 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 that was one of the worst periods of my life. I'm not going to lie to you. And I, and I know people have worse now, probably when I was a teenager, I just, you know, family stuff. I, I didn't, I don't remember that time that, that much though. I probably put a giant barrier up, but uh, yeah, this was close, man. I, I was sleeping two, three hours a night. Uh, I was cleaning up waste off the floor multiple times a day. Uh, the, the phase of his life where he was bleeding all over his mouth because his teeth were falling out. Like it was, it was just be covered in blood because he was chewing bones and his teeth were falling out. It was, it looked like a zombie. Uh, he's a lot better now. He's, um, a year and two months. Uh, we just, uh, we, it was a huge emotional roller coaster, uh, and guilt because we, you know, he's a, he's a male dog and they kept recommending that we do a neutering and this is maybe, you know, TMI for, for, for a chess <laughs> podcast, but, uh, it was actually a really good decision because all of those kind of crazy, you know, uh, things that, that dogs do, uh, they went away. And so he he now interacts with dogs there. They don't get aggressive with him. He plays in the dog park. It's, it's, it's honestly a little bit like watching my, like my kid grow up. I know they're not the same, but I get to see him have a great time with dogs, big and small. He's like a nice boy. He's the friendliest dog I have ever met. He is a sweetheart. Like he is nice and excited to see everybody. And my family loves him. And, uh, He's, 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 he's gotten a lot, lot better. Um, but right. the other day he, 
The other day he got his vaccines at the vet and they caused side effects and he peed all over the floor. <laughs> so, sure. you know, it's uh, it, it, they always keep you on your toes. We all have bad days. Shout out to Benji. All right. Uh, last question, I think, uh, Levy. So, I mean, obviously amazing growth since I've seen you last. Do you have any any big goals, like anything secret, whether it be, you know, a number of subs yeah. or, you know, taking over the world, <laughs> whatever it might be? Well, we we didn't we didn't chat about the book much, but um, that uh, that's a huge goal. That that's uh, we signed the contract for that book a year ago. Book is a thing that takes so long, and I just for the first time got the pages of the book. Like it was a huge thing, you know, uh, and it was uh, two two pages side by side on a very wide piece of paper, like the whole manuscript. And the book is gonna be me in a YouTube video, but in book form, like. The first part of it is zero to 800. It's uh, the book is called How to Win at Chess, and it's going to have QR codes at the end of every uh, chapter for more uh, studies and more exercises, which books don't have, chess books don't have. It's got a refreshing voice. Uh, you don't need a chessboard, like at yeah. all, e even so in the intermediate tons of sections. Diagrams or how did you do that? Yeah, it's 500 diagrams, and it's um, it, every move is reflected one after the other with a yellow highlight of the previous move. So um, now, obviously if you're advanced you're not going to learn much from this book but it's cheap enough that it's you know a nice piece of it's a, it's a really nice book it's going to be hardcover with a with a with a uh kind of like the cover on top of it like kind of like that paper cover style it's a beautiful gifted book uh the cover art is nice and it's going to read like no chess book has read and it's going to be a book that if you're an adult and you don't want to watch youtube you just want to read chess for 15 minutes a day like that's the book for you and you can read it before sleep. You can learn something. You can practice more on your phone. Um, and uh, part one is zero to around 800. And that's all explained in the book. What even is that? What even is an 800? Uh, and part two is, you know, getting you up to like 12, 1300. Um, types of intermediate tactics you should learn, intermediate strategy, uh, spotlight on how every piece is effective, the checklist of, you know, thinking for yourself and for your opponent. Uh, and bonus stuff at the end of each chapter openings. A couple of chapters of like what openings are effective at what level uh, is kind of how we took the opening approach. So that that's a big one that's coming out late in 2023. I'm really excited for that. And um, 2023 for me is going to be a year where I try to, I've got a new management team. They're great. And I'm going to try to really, really scale beyond being the chess YouTube guy. Like, uh, collaborations with big creators, athletes, celebs, brands, um, commercials, uh, events. Like I have, uh, I'd love to put on an elimination style amateur, not top GM, but amateur style, like Netflix show of chess, you know, hundred people get down uh, every week, uh, cutting it down in some cool challenges, That'd you know, fun. things like that. Yeah, it would be fun. You know, it's, it's all, it's all a lot of work. That's that's just the thing, and that that's those are some of my my goals. I think for twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four, and beyond them, the Gotham Chess Club, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, that would be um, that would be amazing. I, I, I'm coming to the opening. Yeah, please <laughs> do. Down, you 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 are. Uh, <laughs> we don't have a we don't have a building yet. You know that's that's the biggest thing. You gotta you gotta buy a building, which is kind of terrifying. Um, but uh, yeah, these are these are all the things on. Uh, on the agenda and whatever else, uh, whatever else comes my way. Awesome. Well, Levy, 
again, congratulations on your success. Um, it, it's been been fun to watch this story unfold and uh, really appreciate your taking the time uh, for the interview. Thanks for having me. I look forward to uh, I look forward to the uh, tet tetralogy, the the fourth meeting. What do they call it? It's not the quadology when when the fighters meet for the fourth time. But uh, yeah, I look forward I, I to the know. fourth You're episode. The MMA guy. You, you tell me, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean that ten million subs or whatever it'll be. Uh, oh god, not ten, not ten. It it was it was on pace for ten for a while, but uh, no, it's uh, it might end with with six or something. Um, regardless. I'm All happy. Right. I, I like being the internet's chess teacher. Excellent. Good stuff, Levy. Thanks as always. Thanks, Ben. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.